welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Uh, what an amazing worship set. What an amazing time we've had so far together. So glad we're together this morning. We're continuing in our series called Multiply Disruption. And in this series, we are focused on where God wants to take us. Like, so many people are saying, okay, we want to get back to normal or the old normal even. Or some of us are even saying we want to get to a new normal. But what we mean by new normal is, is just the old normal, just a little different. But what if God is trying to disrupt something? What if he is using this time, he's using this pandemic to wake us up? What if he's using this pandemic to open our eyes to something that needs to be disrupted in our church? And so over this past year, we've seen a lot of that. We've taken steps forward as a church. We have uh, talked about things and changes that we are making as a church. And guys, again, um, I, I, I get it. Change is hard sometimes. It is, it is difficult, especially in this time where, where so many things are changing and you have a lot of individual personal life changes and, and, and you maybe just be looking for a corporate organizational uh, status quo. But... But guys, this is an opportunity for us to move forward with the Lord and allow Him to, to disrupt some things. And, and so we can grieve those changes together. We can grieve those, those things that look like losses together. But as we allow the Lord to do this, we know that He is something better for us. We know that He is, he is doing something greater than we can even understand or even know right now. The good news is we don't need to fully understand God. We just need to fully love God. And as we talked about last, last, uh, in our last sermon series, we want to live what we love. And so as a church, we want to love God. We want to experience His love, love Him, move forward in that, and allow His love to propel us and push us forward to live on mission. And so when we talk about today, disrupt your priority, we got to say, well, what does God want to do there? You know, the word priority, we often use it plural, uh, in the plural form. We say, oh, I have different priorities than you, or, oh, I need to reorder my priorities, or I have a few priorities. We use it plural in, in a plural form, but it wasn't until the 20th century that that word became plural. Before then, it meant what it was supposed to mean. Now, there is one thing in first place. You had one priority. There's only one thing that took the top spot. And, and so we've, we've made it priorities. So we say, yeah, well, God is one of our priorities, or, or faith is one of my priorities, or church is one of my priorities. But guess what? God's sharing that throne with your marriage, your job, your success, your children, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your family, your put whatever you want in that blank, God is sharing his throne because we've made 
we, we made the word priority plural. But here we're using it in a singular fashion because that's what it's supposed to be. There's only one person on that throne. There's only one priority for us as a church. And that priority is the mission of God. And in this passage today, in verses 12 through 15, in chapter 1 of Haggai, God is reminding the people of their priority. He's disrupting their dreams. He's disrupting their priorities, plural, where they were chasing after their own wants, their own desires, their own needs. They were focused on their own homes. They are focused on their own lives. They are focused on their own jobs, on their own everything. And he's saying, I need to remind you of why you are supposed to be the people of God, of what makes you the people of God. And that's the mission of God. That's my mission, God is saying, that I've, that I've called you to, that I'm calling you forward in. So as we go through this passage today and you think priority, uh, I want you to think in a singular fashion, not in the plural form. So here, let's go to, uh, let's go to Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people. So again, you have the leaders here, right? The, the political organizational leader in Zerubbabel. And then in Joshua, you have the spiritual leader here, the high priest, uh, with all the remnant of the people. What's significant here, guys, is this word remnant is a theologically charged word. It has tons of theological background and baggage that it carries from all of the other prophets because it was, it was prophesied that a remnant was going to return to the land, which means a few things. One, it means that not everyone's coming back. Not everyone came back. Some people died in exile. They're whole generations, right? Some people chose to stay there. And they said, well, we planted our lives over here. We're not going to go back over there. Some people chose to stay. And some returned to live out the mission of God. It's really significant that here in verse 12, so it took 12 verses for uh, this word remnant to be used. Because guess what? Beforehand, they're focused on their own mission. They're focused on their own thing, their own desires, their own dreams, their own priorities. Once they refocus back on the mission of God, they're now the theological remnant. And the other thing is, so what is it? What are they they supposed to do? What is the mission of God here, you're asking? What what are they supposed to be doing? Well, in this context, uh, the the immediate context is they're supposed to rebuild the house of the Lord. They're supposed to rebuild the temple. They're supposed to make a place for God to dwell. They're supposed to bring the glory of the Lord back to where they are to dwell among the people because now they're the people of God. Guys, this is covenant language. They're reestablishing themselves as the people of God, and the scriptures are recognizing it, saying, well, now they're the remnant. Now they're living on mission. And what is that mission? to be a light to the nations, the Abrahamic covenant back in Genesis 12, 15, 17, to be a light and a blessing to the entire world, to all the nations, to show them who our God is, to be a vehicle for the Messiah, 
to be a vehicle for the, the Son of God to come and, and display God uh, and His nature and all His glory to the world. Hebrews 1 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Colossians 1 says, He's the perfect image of the invisible God. Philippians 2 says, He humbled Himself to the point of a servant. He gave Himself up for us. And he's highly exalted because of that. John 1 says he became the word, or he was the word who became flesh and did what? Dwelled among us. It's the temple. It's the temple. We, we are this temple. Church, we are this remnant. We are the people of God. If our mission is the mission of God. If our dreams are the dreams of God. If we push forward into his reality, if he is our priority and doesn't share the throne with other priorities. If, there's a lot of ifs there. Now people here, they decided we want to be the remnant. They were choosing something else. So the land was desolate, but now they're choosing God. And it says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. They heard God and they obeyed. Check that sign out behind me, hear and obey. That is a disciple of Jesus. That's learning to recognize the voice of God. It's hear his voice and obey it. Simple as that. As you grow in discipleship, you learn to recognize the voice of God and you live on mission for God. They, that's all they did. They heard the voice of the Lord their God, Yahweh their God, and they obeyed. And the Lord, and it says, as the Lord, in verse 12 at the end, it says, as the Lord their God had sent him, talking about Haggai. Yes, when we, when we talk about rhythm three, R3 as a church here, we're talking about three things. We're talking about up, our relationship with God, how we hear God, right? How, how we worship God uh, in we're talking about how we live in community. This is the one another lifestyle. This is, uh, this is us carrying one another's burdens, forgiving one another, serving one another, loving one another. Uh, all the one another's, uh, the, the in, the accountability, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's in. Out, we're talking about living on mission. And those things happen simultaneously, guys. It's not up leads to in, leads to out. They happen simultaneously. So out is living on mission. And guys, so many people love the idea of mission. And a lot of you guys have been attracted to Trinity Life Church to be a part of our church because we are a church who lives on mission, who was born out of mission. If, if you know our early story, we didn't start in a worship service. We didn't even start in a small group. We started by living on mission in the city, with the city, for the city for the kingdom. And, and then people gathered around that, and then it went to a small group, and then it went to Sunday services uh, in, a, in a worship gathering. But we start, it's in our DNA, kingdom disciples engaging society, and out of that arises the church, right? So we were, we've been a people from the beginning who are living on mission, who are living out. Yes, we're also living up and in, and, but that has to lead to out. And so many of you guys have been attracted to our church because of that. And you love the idea of it, but are you actually doing it? Are you actually living on mission? So much of the church is filled with books and conferences and 
podcasts and, and blog posts and articles about living on mission. But when I look at the church, there's very few people who are actually doing it. There's very few people who are actually on the cutting edge and saying, I'm going to stand on the edge of this precipice and I'm going to walk forward, not knowing what's going to happen. I'm going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. That's what living on mission is. Guys, mission is not comfortable. Mission is uncomfortable. It, isn't, it isn't ex- doesn't actually feel secure in this world, but we know we're secure in God, but it doesn't feel that. It feels uneasy. And people always say, this is how you determine whether this is the, the um, direction God wants you to go in. Do you have a, do you have a peace? Do you, do, you have a, do you have peace about that decision? And when people say that, they normally mean, do you have serenity? Like, are things still and calm? Is your heart still? Do you have peace? And when I look at our church and we're going, and if someone asked me, I was like, heck no, I don't have peace. Like, not serenity, but I know this is where God wants us to go. His peace, his actual peace, rules and reigns my heart, as Colossians 3 says. And that peace says, in the uncomfortable, in the risk of faith, in the uneasiness, in the perceived lack of security in this world, God's peace trumps all that. But it's not a stillness and a serenity and a calmness. It's an adventure. It's a, it's a pioneering effort. It's a, it's, it's a we've got to blaze our own trail th- type thing. It's, it's we're in the wilderness. Like we don't know where we're going to get our next meal. We don't know what's going to happen. And our church has always lived on the edge of that. On the edge of that cliff, on the edge of that precipice because of our, our values. And so... We are a people on mission, guys. We are part of this remnant. We want to say, God, you are our God. And that's what's, that's what's happening here. Uh, that's what's happening here with, with the people. And it says, uh, and the, at the end of verse 12, it says, and the people feared the Lord. Twice in this one verse, uh, they refer to the Lord as their God. So the covenant has been reestablished. We are his people now. He is our God now. And they feared the Lord. Before they're fearing other things. What, what are you fearing? What are we fearing as a church? What have we been fearing? And guys, there's, we can all look back to our lives and see so many good things. And we can look back at the life of our church and see good things. And we can hold on to those tightly. Or we can fear the Lord and allow him to place better things in our hands for the future. We can move forward in the gale of the Holy Spirit. That's the apostolic vision, right, that God's giving us uh, from last week into this week. God says, if you're fearing something else besides me, that something else is sharing the throne. You have priorities, not a priority. Allow God to, to disrupt that. Guys, for our church, you have to allow God to disrupt that. I know it's been tough in the pandemic. I know you want to see everybody. I know you want to, uh, there, there's just things that you want back in the, the normal way of things. 
And, and a lot of times when change happens, we focus on what we are gonna miss, not what we're gonna gain. And we don't see this, what we, what we perceive loss as something that God may be building on for an even greater gift and an even greater future. And, and that's, that's just our human nature. That's just our, our human flesh. And guys, I, I feel that too. You may think, oh, well, you don't feel that, uh, but I feel that too. Um, but here's, here's a quote I want to give you from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, he says this, <clears throat> he says, nowhere is the tragic tendency to conform more evident than in the church. An institution which has often served to crystallize, conserve, and even bless the patterns of majority opinion, of majority opinion. The hope of a secure world lies with the disciplined non-conformists who are dedicated to justice, peace, and brotherhood. Any Christian who blindly accepts the opinions of the majority and in fear and timidity follows a path of expediency and social approval is a mental and spiritual slave. A good friend of mine, Nathan, sent me that quote over the past week from Martin Luther King Jr. from a sermon he preached called The Transformed Nonconformists. It's an extremely prophetic voice for the church to say, we love to conform. But in Romans 12, what are we called to? To not conform to this world. By what? By the renewing of our minds. By offering our bodies as living sacrifices which are holy and pleasing to God. Remember, we talked about that last week. Uh, uh, holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. That's what the church is called to do. And guys, when the church puts our priority with the majority, we lose authority. We lose it. Who's coming to us in this world and in our city asking for counsel and advice, saying, hey, look at what the church is doing. We should learn from them. I don't see that happening in very many places. In fact, this church, I've seen it happen more than any other churches combined that I've been in. Because we are with the city living on mission out there. Guys, we need to think bigger. So many of us and so many church leaders, we think in the church world. As you realize that the, the real world, the secular world is much grander and bigger than this tiny little church world, and we have our own little subculture of celebrities and speakers and conferences and, and all this stuff. Nobody cares about that stuff. We got our, our podcast, and it's all for the church world. It's all for this little segment. And I'm not saying we don't need, the, we don't need those things. Some of those things aren't good. Uh, I read some of those things. I listen to some of those things. But guys, we got to think bigger than that. Our mission statement, our vision statement is... We want to help you discover identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city. And we got a big city here, guys. Three million people, seven million in the GTA, and our world. 
Now we're talking billions. Guys, that isn't just some pithy aphorism. That isn't just some statement we made up. If you're part of Trinity Life Church, you have, uh, you have come into that calling. Whether you've submitted yourselves to it or not, that is where our church has always been going. That statement is my calling. We came up with that statement out of our own hearts. That I need to discover identity in Christ. My identity needs to be firm in Christ. My destiny needs to be firm in Christ. That's the same for all of us. We, and, and I want to help you as you've been a part of Trinity Life Church. I want to help you do the same. To discover that, to found yourself on and in Christ Jesus and your identity and your destiny. In order to live out. In order to live the mission of God. In order to influence our city. Not in order to have great worship services and get a bunch of people in a room singing Kumbaya. Not, not to have our, our amazing production. Not to uh, go to our conferences and to speak at those and to get my name known. In order for us to actually have real kingdom influence, not in the church world, in the real world. The world out there that is lost and dying and needs Jesus. The world out there that is, uh, is unsatisfied, is searching for truth, is seeking help, is crying out for it. That world that we tend to ignore in the Christian world because we're so focused on the Christian world and our own dreams, our own well-being, our own priorities. As we got to wake up. We got to think much bigger than this. And if you know anything about Trinity Life Church, we are doing those things. We're influencing our city. And most of you probably don't know half of these stories, but we're literally changing the world. Guys, my call to Toronto, God said, you're gonna change the world. You're gonna change how the world works and operates. That's what you've been invited in. That's the mission of God. That's what all of us have been invited into. It's not like all that specific to me, right? Like, this is just what we've been called into. We're to be a blessing to the world. And guys, our church is doing that. We're changing how, we're part of changing how nations operate around the world. We're part of something much bigger than us. You've heard me talk about GlocalNet before and, and the work we do there. Like our church is part of this family of churches called GlocalNet where we are literally changing the social fabric of the world. There's so many stories, I don't have time for that today. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time. But guys, get excited about that. Think bigger than that. Fear the Lord. Don't fear these other things. Fear the Lord. Verse 13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, saying, I am with you. Declares the Lord, I am with you. What amazing words. God's saying that to you this morning, today, whenever you're watching this. He's saying to you, if you hear and obey, I'm with you. Church, as we hear and obey together, I know he's with us. I know he is. Guys, we wouldn't be doing anything we're doing if he wasn't leading us to do it. We're only going where he's led us. We're only going in his wake. And we're riding that. We're not creating anything on our own. We're going where he is going. And as I said uh, 
earlier, a few weeks ago, with Dallas Willard's definition of the kingdom, it's just where God is acting. And we've looked, God, where are you acting there? Let's go. Let's join your work. He's on the move, guys. I'm with you. Verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. This is a sleepiness, a slumber uh, imagery we get here that we're sleeping in and God is stirring us up. This is Romans 13 where Paul says, where Paul says, uh, today uh, salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed. He says, wake up. Now is the time. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us put on the works of light. Let us put on Jesus Christ. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on our Lord Jesus Christ that we may walk faithfully together. And, and, and he's stirring the spirit up in the leaders. And, he's, and it's gone to the people and their whole spirit is stirred up. Guys, that's what I'm trying to do for you. That's why I'm trying to stir your spirit up. I'm trying to say, wake up, let's go. Paul says it this way in, in Ephesians 5. He says, make the best use of the time, for the days are evil. So be filled with the Spirit, he says. Mutually submit to, to one another, he says. Put on the full armor of God, he says. And walk forward together. And you see here, there's such tremendous unity. The people, the leaders, they're all together in this. They're they're, they're, they're coming together to live out the mission of God. God has reminded them that. They've chosen that. They've said yes to that. They are the remnant now to bring the Messiah to the world. That's why the temple is so important, guys. That's why the church is so important, because we are that new temple. We are building something so that people can see who Jesus is. We're the vehicle for the Messiah to the world. And But guys, guess what? Inviting people to our worship services stopped working decades ago. And we put all of our eggs in that basket. That's why out is so important. That's why we talked about Acts 1 and 2 uh, to start off the year that we are going out to the people. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk more about how we as a church are going to do that because we've been talking about our three and, and what that looks like on Sundays and what that looks like um, also uh, throughout the week. But, but guys, there's other things that we have to say, we gotta change this wineskin. We gotta change this form. And we're going to receive this new wine, and we're going to be out in the community uh, because we can't expect them to come into our religious services anymore. They're not. They're not going to. And we shouldn't expect them to because it's weird and it's awkward. <laughs> it's, and it's a socially, uh, it can be a socially restrictive and oppressive environment because people just don't know what, what to do. Guys, when I met Missy 20 over, what year is this? 20 years ago, the reason she didn't want to come to me with church, come to church with me, wasn't because she didn't believe what I believed, wasn't because she didn't want to hear truth, wasn't because she didn't uh, want to explore, wasn't because she didn't like me. It was because it was going to be an awkward social environment. That was 20 years ago. In the Bible Belt. How much more so in post-slash-pre-Christian downtown Toronto? How much more so? People don't want to come to our corporate worship gatherings, guys. This, what we do here now, gives them a peek into what we talk about and who we are. A safe one, right? 
R3 gives him a peek into you not being a weirdo, but you actually being a normal person who just wants to see the world a better place and who is guided by our Lord Jesus Christ and who is living the abundant life. As we've, we've tried to create these things to release you, we've streamlined things, we've cut out things to release us as a church because the church is the missionary. I'm not a professional missionary. We're all to be that. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are a minister of reconciliation, or you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be. But somewhere along the way, we outsourced all this to the leaders. But here you see, it wasn't just the leaders whose spirits were stirred up. They got their act together, and then this, the spirit of the people, of the remnant, was also stirred up. And so they're moving forward as one unit. And they came, in verse 14, and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts or God. They did what God asked them to do. Remember earlier they're saying, hey, now's not the time. But now, they, now they've submitted themselves to the Lord and they're working on the house together. They're building the temple together. They're making ready for the presence of God together. Verse 15. And on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, they did this. What's significant here is that the people of, of Israel, the remnant, they were released from Babylonian exile, but technically they're still in exile. They returned to the land, but they didn't have their own king. Darius is still king. He's still the ruler of that land. Now they have some sub-leaders like Zerubbabel and, and Joshua, but Darius is still king. So they just changed locations. Yeah, they're in the promised land, there's a whole bunch of theology, theological stuff, cool stuff that comes with that, but they're still in this kind of, this, this exile. And even though Darius is still the king, they know that God is their king. Their priority, the person who's on the throne of their nation, of their lives, of, of uh, what, what, what they're doing, is, is the Lord their God. And it's just interesting to me here that it says, you know, this happened when Darius was still king. And guys, for us as the church, well, we're going to do a whole series on this after Easter. We're still in exile. We're, we're in exile, just like they were. Location changed a little bit, but this world has, has a king. But for us as the remnant, our king is Jesus. He is the Lord our God. He is on the throne. He has already conquered. He's already over. But because we still live in this world that's kind of ruled by the prince and power of this air, by, by Satan, and then, you know, you take that into local governments, all that stuff. Not, <laughs> sorry, not, not saying sometimes. Um, uh, but we're, we're under a different rule. But guys, our, our citizenship isn't here. It isn't in Canada or America, wherever you are. It isn't in this world. For us as followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. We serve a different king, a King Jesus.
And guess what, guys? People in our city, in our world, they love the idea of the kingdom. They, they love what the kingdom represents. We get to go out to them, go alongside them, and introduce them to our king. And that's what we want to do as a church. That's our three. That's where we're headed. That's what we're already doing. And we want you to be with us on that. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word, for just the beauty and the grandeur of what you're calling us to. We can't understand it, but we can fully love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So we, we just fall at your feet, Father. And um, may we just experience grace and mercy and your love as a church. And may that propel us to live on mission for you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.